Section 28 of A Woman's Journey Round the World. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Piotr Nater. A Woman's Journey Round the World by Ida Laura Pfeiffer. Chapter 16, Part 1. Continuation of Journey and Sojourn. Aurangabad, Pune, East Indian Marriages. The Foolish Wagoner, Bombay, The Parsees or Fire Worshippers, Indian Burial Ceremonies, The Island of Elephanta, The Island of Salset. On the 7th of March, late in the evening, I reached Aurangabad. Captain Stewart, who lived outside the town, received me with the same cordiality as the other residents had done. 8th of March. Captain Stewart and his wife accompanied me this morning to the town to show me its objects of interest, which consisted of a monument and a sacred pool. Aurangabad is the capital of the Deccan, has 60,000 inhabitants, and is partly in ruins. The monument, which is immediately outside the town, was built more than 200 years since by the Sultan Aurung Zeb Alamgir in memory of his daughter. It by no means deserves to be compared to the great Taj at Agra, it is a mosque with a lofty arched dome and four minarets the building is covered all round the lower part of the outside with a coating of white marble five feet high the upper portion is cased with fine white cement which is worked over with ornamental flowers and arabesques the entrance doors are beautifully inlaid with metal on which flowers and ornamental designs are engraved in a highly artistic manner unfortunately the monument is already much decayed one of the minarets is half fallen in ruins in the mosque stands a plain sarcophagus surrounded by a marble trellis work both have nothing in common with the great touch beyond the white marble of which they are constructed in richness and artistic execution they are so much inferior that i could not understand how anyone could be led to make so incredible a comparison Near the mosque lies a pretty marble hall, surrounded by a neglected garden. The reigning king would have removed the marble from this monument for use in some buildings in which he was to be interred. He requested permission to do so from the English government. The answer was to the effect that he could do so if he wished, but he should remember that if he had so little respect for the monuments of his predecessors, his own might experience a similar fate. This answer induced him to relinquish his intentions. The pool considered sacred by the Mahomedans is a large basin, constructed of square stones. It is full of large pikes, none of which, however, are allowed to be taken. In fact, there is an attendant appointed to supply them with food. The fish are consequently so tame and familiar that they will eat turnips, bread, etc. out of the hand. The rainy season caused the death of many of them. Were it not for this fortunate circumstance, the pool would before long contain more fish than water. Since the English have come here, the attendants are said not to be so conscientious, and very often smuggle fish out of the pool into the English kitchens, for the sake of a little ready money. After spending a very agreeable day, I took a hearty farewell of my friendly hostess, and continued my journey in a fresh wagon towards Puna, 136 miles distant. Ninth of March, Toka. The roads here began to be better, and there were bungalows to be had on payment of the ordinary fees. The 10th of March. 
Emanpur, a small village situated on the summit of a chain of hills, I found here the handsomest bungalow I had seen during the whole journey from Benares to Bombay. The 11th of March. We passed the whole day in travelling through a barren country, over naked hills and mountains. The majestic solitary trees with the wells had already ceased at Aurangabad. Towards noon we passed the very flourishing town of Ahmed Nuger, in the neighbourhood of which a large English military station is established. The bungalow at Serur was too near, that at Kandapur too distant. I therefore decided upon taking up my quarters for the night under the eaves of a house. The 13th of March. In Kandapur there are some handsome Hindu temples and several small Mahomedan monuments near loni there is a large english military station i also found an obelisk erected there in memory of a battle won by one thousand and twenty english against twenty thousand natives the fourteenth of march Pune. i had endless trouble here to find mr brown to whom i had an introduction from mr hamilton the europeans reside in all parts of the town for the most part miles apart and i had the misfortune to meet with some who were not the most polite and did not consider it worth taking the trouble to give me information mr brown on the contrary received me as kindly as i could desire his first inquiry was whether any accident had happened to me on the road he told me that only a short time since an officer was robbed between suppa and puna and as he attempted to defend himself was murdered but he added that such instances were extraordinarily rare i had arrived about noon after dinner mr brown conducted me to the town which belongs to the east india company it contains fifteen thousand inhabitants and is situated at the junction of the rivers mulla and mutta over both of which handsome bridges are thrown the streets are broad and kept clean the houses like those in ujain are furnished with false wooden walls some were painted all over and belonged mostly as i was informed to fakirs with whom the town swarmed it was the month in which the hindus prefer to celebrate their marriages and we met in several streets merry processions of that kind the bridegroom is enveloped in a purple mantle his turban dressed out with gold tinsel tresses ribbons and tassels so that from a distance it appears like a rich crown the depending ribbons and tassels nearly cover the whole face he is seated upon a horse relatives friends and guests surround him on foot when he reaches the house of the bride the doors and windows of which are securely closed he seats himself quietly and patiently on the threshold the female relations and friends also gather here without conversing much with the bridegroom and the other men this scene continues unchanged until nightfall the bridegroom then departs with his friends a closely covered wagon which has been held in readiness is drawn up to the door the females slip into the house bring out the thickly veiled bride put her into the wagon and follow her with the melodious music of the tam-tam the bride does not start until the bridegroom has been gone a quarter of an hour. The women then accompany her into the bridegroom's house, which, however, they leave soon afterwards. The music is kept up in front of the house until late in the night. It is only the marriages of the lower classes that are celebrated in this manner. There is a road leading from Pune to Panwell, a distance of seventy miles, and travellers can post all the way. From Panwell to Bombay the journey is made by water. 
i adhered to the cheaper bailey and mr brown was so obliging as to procure one for me and to lend me a servant on the fifteenth of march i again set out and on the same day arrived at woodgown a village with one of the dirtiest bungalows in which i ever made up my bed the sixteenth of march Kumpuili. the country between this place and woodgown is the most beautiful that i saw in india the view from a mountain some miles on this side of kundalla was particularly striking the spectator stands here in the midst of an extensive mountainous district peaks of the most diversified forms are piled in numerous rows above and alongside of each other presenting the most beautiful and variegated outlines there are also enormous terraces of rock flattened cones of peaks with battlements and pinnacles which at first sight might be taken for ruins and fortresses in one place the lofty roof of a majestic building presents itself in another a gigantic gothic tower rises aloft the volcanic form of the tumel mountain is the most uncommon object which meets the eye beyond the mountains extends a wide plain at the extremity of which lies the polished surface of the long-wished-for ocean the greater part of the mountains is covered with beautiful green woods i was so much delighted with the extreme beauty of the prospect that i congratulated myself for the first time on the slow pace of my sleepy oxen the village of carley lies between woodgown and kundalla it is famous on account of its temples which are about two miles distant i did not visit them because i was assured that they were not half so interesting as those at adjunta and alora kundalla lies upon a mountainous plateau there are several pretty country houses here to which many european families from the neighbourhood of bombay resort during the hot weather in the deccan and the province of bombay i found the natives were less handsome than in bengal and hindustan their features were much coarser and not so open and amiable for several days we have again met very large trains of oxen some of the drivers of which had their families with them the females of these people were very ragged and dirty and at the same time loaded with finery the whole body was covered with colored woolen borderings and fringes the arms with bracelets of metal bone and glass beads even to the ears large wooden tassels were hung in addition to the usual ornaments and the feet were loaded with heavy rings and chains thus bedecked the beauties sat on the backs of the oxen or walked by the side of the animals the seventeenth of march since the attack of the negroes in brazil i had not been in such a fright as i was to-day my driver had appeared to me during the whole journey somewhat odd in his manner or rather foolish sometimes abusing his oxen sometimes caressing them shouting to the passers-by or turning around and staring at me for some minutes together however as i had a servant with me who always walked by the bailey i paid little attention to him but this morning my servant had gone on without my consent to the next station and i found myself alone with this foolish driver and on a rather secluded road after some time he got down from the wagon and went close behind it the bailies are only covered over at the sides with straw matting and are open at the front and back i could therefore observe what he was doing but i would not turn round as i did not wish to make him think that i suspected him i however moved my head gradually on the one side to enable me to watch his proceedings he soon came in front again and to my terror took from the wagon the hatchet which every driver carries with him and again retired behind 
i now thought nothing less than he had evil intentions but i could not fly from him and dare not of course evince any fear i very gently and unobserved drew my mantle towards me rolled it together so that i might at least protect my head with it in case he made a blow at me with the hatchet he kept me for some time in this painful state of suspense then seated himself on his place and stared at me got down again and repeated the same proceedings several times it was not until after a long hour that he laid the hatchet on one side remained sitting on the wagon and contented himself with gaping vacantly at me every now and then at the end of a second hour we reached the station where my servant was and i did not allow him to leave my side again the villages through which we passed to-day were of the most wretched description the walls of the huts were constructed of rushes or reeds covered with palm leaves some had no front wall these villages are chiefly inhabited by marattas a race which were at one period rather powerful in india and indeed in the whole peninsula they were however expelled from hindustan by the mongols in the eighteenth century and fled into the mountains which extend from surata to goa during the present century the majority of these people were compelled to place themselves under the protection of the english the only maratha prince who still maintains in any degree his independence is the sindhya the others receive pensions the marattas are adherent to the religion of brahma they are powerfully built the color of their skin varies from dirty black to clear brown their features are repulsive and ill-formed they are inured to all manners of hardship live chiefly upon rice and water and their disposition is represented as being morose revengeful and savage they excite themselves to fighting by means of opium or indian hemp which they smoke like tobacco in the afternoon i reached the little town of panwell travellers embark towards the evening in boats and proceed down the river panwell to the sea reaching bombay about morning i had safely completed the long and tedious journey from delhi to panwell in several weeks for having accomplished it i was especially indebted to the english officials who afforded me both advice and assistance their humanity their cordial friendliness i shall ever remember i again offer them my most sincere thanks and the greatest compliment which i can pay them is the wish that my own countrymen the austrian consuls and ambassadors resembled them at Bombay I stayed at the country house of the Hamburg consul, Herr Wattenbach, intending only to draw upon his hospitality for a few days, and to leave as soon as possible, in order to take advantage of the monsoon in my passage through the Arabian and Persian seas. Footnote. Monsoons are the periodical winds which blow during one half of the year from east to west, during the other half from west to east. End of footnote days however grew into weeks for the favourable time was already past and the opportunity of meeting with ship conveyance was there very rare herr wattenbach made my stay in bombay very agreeable he showed me everything worth seeing and accompanied me in excursions to elephanta and salset bombay lies on a small but remarkably pretty island which is separated from the mainland by a very narrow arm of the sea its extent is about five square miles and it is inhabited by two hundred and fifty thousand souls bombay is the principal town of western india and as its harbour is the best and safest on the whole west coast it is the chief seat of commerce for the produce and manufacturers of india the malay country persia arabia and abyssinia in a commercial respect it stands only second to calcutta 
in bombay every language of the civilized world is to be heard and the costumes and habits of every nation are to be seen the finest view of the whole island and town of bombay as well as the neighboring islands of salset elephanta kolebe karanja and the mainland is to be had from the malabar point the country at some distance from the town consists chiefly of low hills which are covered with beautiful woods of coconut and date trees in the plain surrounding the town there are also many groves divided into gardens by walls the natives are very fond of building their dwellings under the dark shadows of these trees while on the contrary the europeans seek for as much light and air as possible the country houses of the latter are handsome and convenient but not to be compared with those of calcutta either in size or magnificence the town lies on a level along the seashore the active life of the rich inland and european commercial population must be sought for in the fortified parts of the town which constitute a large quadrangle here is to be found merchandise from all parts of the world the streets are handsome the large square called the green especially so the buildings most remarkable for their architectural beauty are the town hall whose saloon has no equal the english church the governor's palace and the mint the open town and the black town adjoin the fortified portions and are considerably larger footnote the black town is that part of the town in which the poorer classes of inhabitants reside that neither beauty nor cleanliness are to be sought there is a matter of course and a footnote in the open town the streets are very regular and broad more so than any other indian city i saw they are also carefully watered i observed many houses decorated with artistically carved wooden pillars capitals and galleries the bazaar is an object of great interest not as many travellers affirm on account of the richness of the merchandise of which there is not more to be seen than in other bazaars in fact there is not even any of the beautiful wood mosaic work of which bombay produces the finest but from the diversity of people which is greater here than anywhere else three parts indeed are hindus and the fourth mahomedans persians fire worshippers marattas jews arabs bedouins negroes descendants of portuguese several hundred europeans and even some chinese and hottentots it requires a long time to be able to distinguish the people of the different nations by their dress and the formation of their faces the most wealthy among people owning property here are the fire worshippers called also gebers or parsees they were expelled from persia about one thousand two hundred years since and settled down along the west coast of india as they are remarkably industrious and hard-working very well disposed and benevolent there are no poor no beggars to be found among them all appear to be prosperous the handsome houses in which the europeans reside mostly belong to them they are the largest owners of land ride out in the most beautiful carriages and are surrounded by innumerable servants one of the richest of them jamsetis Gigi boy built at his own expense a handsome hospital in the gothic style and provides european medical men and receives the sick of every religious denomination he was knighted by the english government and is certainly the first hindu who could congratulate himself on such a distinction while speaking of the fire worshippers i will relate all that i myself saw of them as well as what i learned from mansukji kursetji one of the most cultivated and distinguished among them 
the fire worshippers believe in one supreme being they pay the greatest reverence to the four elements and especially to the element of fire and to the sun because they look upon them as emblems of the supreme being every morning they watch for the rising sun and hasten out of their houses and even outside of the town to greet it immediately with prayers besides the elements the cow is considered sacred by them End of section 28